We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Front Office Show. It is Friday, and that means it's Front Office Friday! Let's go. Our first Front Office Friday since coming back from <laughs> Las Vegas. The last time you said that, Keith, we were actually in a studio in Las Vegas, but that's okay. We'll, we'll still take any kind of a Front Office Friday we can get. Little less uh, self-conscious than I think waking up half of the wind with a uh, loud scream <laughs> at like 10 a.m. on a Friday morning uh, in Vegas, which might as well be like waking people up at 4:30 or 5 a.m. anywhere else. So I, yeah, I, it was fun, but yeah, we, we had a blast. It's uh, you know we, we had a great time out there. You know, the studio incredible. It was super fun to record with you in person and hang out and you know do all the things we usually do, but just to do it in person and uh, you know, we had a blast. But but you know, it's good to be home too, right, with the family sure. and and everything and back in the uh, comfortable environment and all that. But yeah, it was it was awesome. I I, I can't wait till we get to do it again. Yeah, I mean. Well, there's just a little peek behind the curtain, but the uh, the audio guys at Blue Wire Studios they had to they had to adjust on the fly to the front office Friday yell, and I like that they made you test it a few times yes. before we actually started the show. Um, so you had to kind of demonstrate the the volume of the front office Friday yell, <laughs> and and they actually encouraged you to get even louder, louder with it, yeah. which I thought was was yeah. fantastic. But but you're right, it is nice to be home. Um, Thoughts, thoughts certainly with those media members that are still there. I, like, I want to say, isn't John Hollinger doing yes. wire to wire this year? I, I don't know if it's full wire to wire, but at this point, it might as well be. I, and he was there like two days ahead too of summer league. So it's, uh, yeah, that's that's madness. That's way too long, uh, to be there. I I saw that that uh, message as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smoky setting says Sean Davis is still sleeping. Legend has it. Yes, indeed. Uh, if you want that whole story, go check out the LakersNation.com podcast. I explained what happened to Sean Davis uh, in Las Vegas. Well, missed part a good, of, part. good meal, too. He really did. He really yeah. did. Even if uh, I was a fish out of water as the, the lone, uh, lone Boston guy in, in the room, but uh, I'll take it. Well, we Everybody didn't spend we didn't spend too much time talking Lakers. Yeah. We spent a lot of time talking yeah. everything else, food, yep. of course, Las Vegas, all, all the other stuff that was uh, that was the going. On. Was you know, I think fantastic. Edward's got a pretty good question here. Why wait till October to start the season? Right, just start the season. <laughs> start the season now. Let's go. Yeah, you could. Uh, you know, I mean, that would be something if we you know just started now. But yeah. I, 
it, I need a little break. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for uh, You've got your vacation coming up. Yeah, vacation in a, uh, 10 days. 10 days I will be on a cruise ship and uh, disconnected from this this whole world. No, I will not be paying for internet on the cruise. And no, there will not be uh, live shows or anything like that. While, while I'm away, I'm going to uh, step away and enjoy some downtime. But yeah, it's, you know, I mean, they tried NBA basketball in the summertime and nobody really liked it uh, being played in you know, in July and August. So I don't think we're going to see any kind of change to the NBA calendar anytime soon. No, 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 no. They're def they're definitely not. I think it's just, there's that excitement now in the air from, Hey, we saw all these moves happen and you know, let's just, let's go. Let's now Miami heat fans are probably saying, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We need to get Dame first. <laughs> right. Then you can start the, the season. But uh, this is, there's always that buzz coming out of summer league. And then that somber reminder that, oh, man, we got to wait like two months now until it, until it actually really gets going. And that's just to get to training camp. Um, so now, it's good, question. though, that we do get a little bit of a break and we get to take vacations and that sort of yes. stuff. So our, our families appreciate that. There's a question in the chat that says, are you going to cover the World Cup? Uh, meaning the basketball World Cup. And yeah, we we will. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it uh, to some extent. I don't know that we'll be doing live shows because it's in, uh, you know, it's it's uh, at oh dark hundred hours here on yeah. the East Coast uh, when these games start. But we'll definitely you know, talk about what's been going on in the World Cup, probably more as it relates to Team USA, obviously, and then the NBA guys who are playing, you know, in the World Cup. But yeah, it, it'll be a, be a part of the thing we cover in, mm -hmm. in August when it starts up especially because there's not going to be anything going on in August Correct. anyway, most likely, unless, you know, some of these trade demands, you know, we're, we may still be talking about the dames of our lives at the end of August. That's, I guess that's possible, but most likely it's uh it's pretty quiet around that time. And I think by that point, we're going to be so starved for basketball that we're going to be thrilled to talk about the basketball world cup. Yeah, we may be spending hours breaking down each world cup game by that point. Cause it'll be, you know, it's funny. People ask, like, are you ready for a break? And it's, to be completely honest, I am, but I only need like a week and then I'm ready mm -hmm. to get right back into it. I, I, I start to really miss it, uh, you know, very, very soon. So it's, um, you know, it, it really is a spot where, you know, it's, you, you want to break, but I, I love it. You know, I love basketball in all forms and, mm -hmm. you know, it gets there and it's, and before anybody says it, yes, we understand the WNBA is going on. I watch some WNBA. Yep. But I don't know enough about it to comment on it intelligently. And I, Generally try to avoid things, you know, that, that I can't comment about and add uh, anything of value to. So, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see from there. Right. Right. I mean, the NBA is our thing. And, and so we'll be missing NBA basketball. Yes. That does help to scratch the itch a little bit seeing uh, WNBA, but, yeah. uh, but you're right. You get like a week or so when I start Jonesing for basketball again, and I'm like, come on, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's go. Um, let's get into some of these questions that are coming in. Somebody said, what do you guys think of the Pistons? off season thus far it's been a little bit of an interesting off season for the Pistons but I'll tell you this I I like just at the top hiring Monty Williams uh, I think they yeah. had to they had to overpay a little bit in order to get him winds up being a very rich contract but now from an organizational perspective you know who is going to be coach you paid enough money to say this guy's going to be our coach for a while so now you know who your guy is going to be and that gives you at least some stability at the top, on the sidelines, and now moving forward, and you can build up this roster from there. Agreed. And I am going to drop in the YouTube chat the link to my uh, uh, favorite thing. Um, 
one of my favorite pieces that I get to write again now every year, which is the um, Summer League Notebook. I, I emptied out the, the notebook here. So I'm going to drop that into the uh, chat there if anybody wants to go to that over on Spot Track. You can also find it on my Twitter. And there are some notes in there from the Pistons. And as it relates to their offseason, I like the Joe Harris and Monte Morris pickups for them. I, I thought those were two guys that it was um, – good for them to get. And one of the things when I asked uh, did someone from the Pistons about that, one of the things that they said was we're trying to be good. And we think these two guys are really going to help us. We needed to add more shooting. We needed to add a little bit more playmaking. And they did that with those two additions. So I think they've got a you know, pretty well-rounded out roster now. It's going to take guys like Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, James Wiseman taking steps forward. Uh, with their development and their ability, but the Pistons have a chance to be, uh, you know, a fairly you know decent team here. I think as maybe even as early as this season, um, you know, if, if Cunningham is healthy and those veterans hold up. Uh, what did you, what do you think about the number of bigs on this Pistons roster? It seems like it's a yeah, little it's bit a of lot. overkill. It, it really is, um, you know, a lot where you know you're in a spot where you've got now, uh, you know, let me I'm pulling up their their depth chart here. We've got Wiseman, Bagley, Stewart, and uh, Duran, who are all going to be, you know, fighting for minutes. And you can kind of make an argument, as a lot of people have, that Bogdanovich is often at his best when he's playing uh, the four yeah. uh, at this point, because he becomes such a tough matchup for a lot of other fours to guard. But it's fine, right? I think for the Pistons, where they're at at this point, they are at a uh, development cycle where it is, you know, let's you know continue to grow and build and go, and we just kind of go from there. Yeah, it, exactly. It's it's about accumulating talent. It is. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they actually dole out the minutes for those guys because they all deserve minutes. You need to see them develop. You need to see kind of what they can turn into. But they're not at a point in their build where you can say just yet, like. Oh, they've got a log jam at this position. Yeah. And this is going to be a problem for them to figure out. No, they they need to accumulate talent right now, and then everything else is going to fall into place from there as they continue out in their build. Uh, Charlie yep. said, Charlie Saturday on a Friday said, very <laughs> in the weeds question. Why is there a rush to sign late second round picks and undrafted two ways before summer league? Wouldn't teams want the reference point of seeing how these guys look against pros? I mean, those guys aren't going to play generally. Now there's yeah. a push to not play until you're signed. It, when teams are drafting guys, the NBA draft is only two rounds. So it's only you know, the second round. And when you're picking these guys up, you generally are drafting them with the idea of either they're, they're a straight stash and you know we're not signing them anytime soon. They're going to be in the G League stashed or they're going to be stashed overseas. Or the idea is let's uh, you know, get these guys in and have them be a part of the roster right away. And with the new second round pick exception, uh, which 13 players have drafted in the second round mm -hmm. have signed under that already, you're in a spot where you get those guys in, they, they do their thing and you, you have them now for years. So, you know, four years you're under control with development for those guys. So that's important. Two way players, same thing. You're not going to get them into summer league and then be like, Oh my gosh, this guy stinks. Like you, you generally, you have a pretty good feeling about where they are if you draft them. So that's why they draft them. And then the players and the agents, they don't want their guys playing unless they're actually under contract. Yep. Cause if they get hurt, it becomes a big mess. We all remember EJ Liddell 
just a year ago at Summer League before he signed his first contract, got injured with the New Orleans Pelicans, and then the Pelicans still took care of him. They put him on a two-way deal, which allowed him to stay there. And and since then, uh, fully recovered, he's now signed a a long-term deal with the Pels. But that's, you know, just kind of the way these things, things go sometimes. So that's part of the reason why you see these guys all getting signed very quickly. Yeah, look, it's different if it's Victor Wembanyama, right? Yeah. If he steps on the floor and tears his ACL in game one, he's still got a contract. The Spurs aren't going to get rid of him. He's sticking around. It would it would be awful, of course, but he's still getting his money. If you're mm-hmm. a second-round guy, you're like the 50th pick, and you step on the floor and you blow out your knee and you haven't signed that contract yet, That's that's not... Uh, that's not ideal, particularly if you're a guy that a team, you know, said, Hey, we want to keep you around. And this isn't just going to be an audition. If we want you long-term, you want to sign that contract as quick as you can, just in case something does happen. And so then you don't have to worry about it uh, from there. So Wes said, and off you go is a phrase I now use frequently because of this show in Lakers nation. (laughs) As always, I love the content. Thanks for the hard work. That is, that is one of them that has become, I think part of our just kind of daily, use phrases um mine i use as a transition phrase all the time people start pointing it out and it made me realize how much i say it in any event i say i'll say that a lot as a transition to from from topic to topic um without meaning to but off you and off you go is and for me that goes back to to soccer that that goes (laughs) back to because my coaches my british coaches back when i was playing would i would always say say right off you go and and that was and that was that. And so that kind of has been since I was, you know, 15, 16 years old, a phrase that I use. But yes, it has made its way into our shows, too. And I know you say it all the time as well, Keith. I do. Yeah. And it's for the almost exact same reason. It was uh, coaches would set up a drill and then that was how they would tell you, go start the drill. It'd be an off you go. Uh, yeah, I my crutch phrases are that'll be interesting. Like if I don't know how yes. to end, I just say that. I like to say my transitional phrases, that being said, and then mm. I'll move on to you know, kind of countering whatever point I had just made as if I'm in a conversation with myself. Uh, so yeah, it's, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get that. I also, I've, I've gotten better on it, but I'll drop in, you know, which if I say it quick uh, enough, people think I'm saying, yo, and they're like, that's guy is the most New York accent ever. And I've never lived in New York <laughs> in my whole life. And the Boston accent does come out on occasion. When we first started this show, the it was the you know show. The you knows yes. were 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 very prevalent in, in the show when we first started. But you're right; it, it has tapered off yeah, over the last better, what, year all. or so. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Re- reps of four years of you know. See, I just did it. <laughs> now, now I'm going to be conscious of it. Yeah, now we're going to do it all the time. Yeah, four years of reps. So we're, we're bound to get better. I would hope at least. Otherwise, boy, I don't know why people are still watching. So going back to college, I remember I had a college professor, it was an English class, who uh, who said that, that the reason why we do that is because we're uncomfortable with silence. Yes. And so when you're speaking, you feel you it's uncomfortable to just stop and let the silence kind of breathe. <laughs> it's just yep. an uncomfortable feeling. You feel like you have to fill that silence. And so you come up with something to throw in there. Sometimes it's just an, an um, you know, or, or whatever. But that's uh, that's how, how we get these kind of phrases that just become part of our show and yeah uh let's see 
Uh, yeah, there Nintendo we go. Nintendo said, uh, said, hi, guys, I have a question. Do you know why the Mavs would have been allowed to trade their second round in 2025 for the Grant Williams deal when that pick is owed as protection to the Knicks for the Porzingis trade? So what it is is it's the, it's swap rights. The Celtics have the right to swap uh, win that trade. They, they, it's, it's which obviously only factors in if Dallas still owns that pick. So if it if Dallas somehow keeps their pick and then that first rounder they owe to the Knicks turns into two seconds, then that would fall out. So they're there and there's I want to say like three other teams caught up in those swap rights as well. So it's that that's basically what it is. It's uh, just if it's there, the Celtics can do that if they want to. Yeah. And we've, we're starting to see the teams get even more creative with, with swap rights. Like we saw that, uh, the trade what was that one, the Suns and the Grizzlies. Yeah. And there's a, there's a pick that's like, that has swap rights, but the wizards yep. are mixed into it as well. And so it, Yep. It gets it start teams are started because they're running out of draft picks to trade. Frankly, they're starting to get <laughs> yeah. more and more creative that with how these swap rights are, are are working. Yep. No, that is definitely part of it. All right. Mission 86 said, hypothetically, say a team is built heliocentrically around a superstar who will surely be leaving in the next one to two years. How can they be competitive now and prepare for the future and minimize the drop once that player moves on? So I mean, the, the first thing I think of is the Kawhi Raptors, but maybe he's more referencing Luca. Like, is that something that could, yeah, that we could? He that's probably the most heliocentric offense that I can think of in the NBA I, right now. I think the Rockets uh, with James Harden initially, but sure. they didn't have any sense he would be leaving. I think if you know that the player is leaving, you have to make a conscious decision. Are we going to try to develop the next guy to you know, primarily run everything through and have everything based around? And then what you probably do is you start force feeding that player reps. So when they're not sharing the floor with the heliocentric guy while they're still both on the same team, you say, all right, in the 10 minutes, the heliocentric guy's off the floor. It's player X is time to shine, right? We're going to give him all the reps and everything's going to revolve around him. Or if you're going to transition into a more balanced offense where you're uh, playing, you know, a lot more uh, movement and touch based and all the other stuff for guys, then you probably start to build some of that in. And what you can also do, we we've seen this on occasion with teams if they have a sense that a player might be leaving or just, we really want to transition, even if the player's not leaving, but we're trying to transition into that that player's fading and getting older and we want to move into another guy you'll see a good example of this was the Suns last year was we we're going to put the ball in Devin Booker's hands even more and kind of you know uh, take Chris Paul's uh, running of the offense you know so dominant with what he does out of the mix you know more and more and more to the point where we're changing it up that way so you do see that sometimes uh, yeah. come into play yeah, and I think it's just uh, the big question is, is that superstar good enough to mm -hmm. make you contend for a championship in that two-year window that you've got? And if so, I think you go for it because yep. let's, let's face it, you know, it's not all that often that you can uh, be a, a contending team. And so if you have that opportunity, you got to go for it, do everything you can. You keep an eye on the future, of course, but do what you can to win now if you've got the chance to do it. Absolutely. And I'll say this too, just on that last question. There's also the approach of you do what you do and then you rip the band-aid off when you start over, right? It's just 
all right, that's gone. And now we're going on to something different. And that's kind of a little bit what the Raptors did when it when Kawhi left. It was, all right, now it's the other guy's team, right? It's Fred Van Vliet's team. And uh, Kyle Lowry was obviously still there. Yeah, he was still there. So it's going to be his team. It's going to be um, uh, Pascal Siakam's team more. And they, they just transitioned right away. And then sometimes, depending on how it goes, you really just kind of rip the whole thing down and you fully start over, right? We've seen that so many times in the NBA where it's you trade away the big the big name guy and you fully start again. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's one of the things that we see happen uh, fairly often. Senpai said, uh, who, by the way, a great time meeting you in uh, in Vegas. Senpai, that was a lot of fun having you in studio and everything over on the Lakers Nation side of things. Uh, oh, was that one past... of the contest winners? Yep. Yeah, it okay. is. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, he said, has this past year been the most eventful in NBA history from trades to trade requests to drama to everything this offseason? Uh I mean, I would say no. I, I We haven't seen super big names move. And we had that summer, the last time, just oddly enough, that we were together in person where uh, everything went crazy, including earthquakes at Summer yep. League. And Kawhi Leonard changed teams. Paul George changed teams. Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, like it all went bananas, you know, very quickly in that period of time. So that's probably the... Uh, the one I would think of that, you know, was a bigger, more eventful change. I would say when LeBron and Bosch joined the Heat, that was a huge change for, for the league. Uh, as far as guys coming into the NBA, you know, I'm going to go way back, but uh, Bird and Magic coming in together, you know, in the same year yeah. as rookies, that was you know, also big uh, for, for the NBA. So, you know, it's recency bias probably does pick up. It's it, it. There's been a lot that's happened. Uh, and let's see, let's see how the Dame trade and Harden uh, trade play play out. And may, maybe those end up absolutely bonkers and crazy. And we, we kind of get get to the get to the point. I think that in terms of what's out there, yes, there's a lot that happened. Obviously, there there's usually what we hear is just the tip of the iceberg, right? There's a lot more uh-huh. going on behind the scenes but also a question like this makes me think what if twitter was a thing in the 80s and 90s <laughs> yeah right like i mean what like what happens when dennis rodman says i'm going to take a few games off and goes to vegas if we had today's technology what is that whole situation right i mean how much how much more insane would that time period seem if we had the technology that we do today so i think that's part of it is our access to the goings on, you know, within the game and everything is at, at a different level than what it used to be. So it's hard to say this is the most eventful in NBA history because we don't, we get to find out a lot of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes right now, or at least a decent amount of it compared to the 80s, the 90s, stuff. Sometimes we didn't know stuff that happened until it showed up in the newspaper a few days later. Yeah. Yeah. Or absolutely. Yeah. That's the, that's the other difference. Yeah, that's a great call. Out. Like everything is immediate now, but what's also interesting is related to that. It's immediate now and in our face, but then it's gone within a couple of days and replaced yeah. by what's ever next. Whereas to, to your point, you know, if there was a big move back when, you know, I became a huge fan of this stuff. Yeah. You agreed about it for days, the same thing kind of happening. And it was, you know, there and now it's kind of, you know, what's next. Right. And that's, Good and bad, right? It's good because it keeps us engaged and keeps us moving, but it's not great because you do end up in a spot where it's kind of a little bit like, oh man, like I, you know, 
missed out on spending time with this one story. Right. Right. That's for sure. That's for, yeah. Our, the shelf life of a sports story right now, mm-hmm. I mean, 24 hours tops, yeah. most, unless it's something truly like crazy, you know, otherwise if it's, Hey, you know, this player tears their ACL or whatever. Why do I keep going to that today? Man, I hope I'm not like speaking that into existence for anybody, but, but it's something like that. It's like 24 hours and then it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of gone. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Fernando said, people say bulking up affects shooting negatively. And indeed you see slender guys shoot better than muscular ones. Is it a chicken and egg situation or is there really truth behind the argument? So does putting on muscle uh, actually negatively impact your ability to shoot a basketball? Yeah, no, I honestly don't know how, how that impacts it. I mean, we've seen pretty muscular guys on occasion be pretty good shooters, you know, at times. And then we've seen other guys, you know, who are you know, extremely skinny can't shoot at all. So I, I'm not sure. I would guess it's probably more of where you build that muscle up. I, I would think if you're building up up here in the shoulders, it might, you know, make it more awkward to do that. I think the biggest thing that I've ever talked to, especially development coaches and shooting coaches is it's repetition is, is what, what makes you a good shooter. It's, you know, finding what works for you and then, drilling it and drilling it and drilling it until it just becomes what you do. And there's not a thing. Like I always think of Ray Allen, no matter where Ray Allen caught the ball, he got, if he could get his shoulder square, it was going to have a chance at going in. And that's why he's one of the best shooters of, of all time. But that, that's all I know. It's that repetition and being, you know, balanced is, you know, a big part of it. I, the strength and bulking up, I could see it potentially, you know, yeah, especially if you added a bunch of strength in one off season or something, and then you know, you're, you're a little strong with your shot. That could be a thing. It would be interesting to see if there was a, a study done exactly on that, because you'd have to figure out a way to quantify it. And mm-hmm. it, it's not an exact science, but, but again, there, that is out there that, Hey, you put on, yep. you put on muscle and your shot tends to not be so great. Which, I mean, look at Kevin Durant. His shot is is beautiful and it goes in all the time yeah. and he's super. I mean, his bench press at the combine was like non-existent, right? So um, maybe there's something to that. Uh, this one said, "Would to Chicago any truth to that?" So Chicago now got a ten million dollar and change. I want to say ten point two million. Yep, Dis- disabled player exception, and instantly people were saying, "Oh, they'll they'll use it to sign Christian Wood." Heard anything on on that, or does that make sense? The only thing I know with the Bulls is they are, let me pull up the right number here. They're only about five and a half million under the tax and they do not want to pay the luxury tax. So I would say unless there's something else in conjunction where somebody else is moving on, because even the Lonzo ball, you get the disabled player exception. It counts towards the tax. His full salary still counts towards the tax. It all counts. There's no, um, there's no like tax savings that go along with any of this stuff. So I, I would say probably not anything to it, but I don't know. Christian Wood is still hanging out there. I was doing some calls around that situation and nothing has changed. And we've been home for a couple of days now. And it was even a couple of days ahead of that, that we were having some conversations with folks that were, yeah, it may be, may, we, we're staring down. He may need to take the minimum somewhere and do kind of a rehab year and see what it looks like. But they're, they're not ready to make that decision just yet. But but Woods Camp believes he's not a minimum talent, which they're probably right. Yeah, which is but fair. that's Yeah. 
but that's what's out there right now. And, and so, but that's the thing. Like if you're Christian Wood, what like you can get the minimum a month from now. The minimum is going to be there all the way up until the season mm-hmm. starts. Yeah. So it's just a matter of when do you when when do you cut it off and say, okay, we've waited long enough that above minimum offer just isn't coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's uh that that's the thing, right? You do run into to to that. So um and then you kind of you, we're down to it now because the teams that still have exceptions left generally they either don't have a roster spot or they don't want to go into the to the to the tax or something along those lines so it's uh you know that that does get to be a tough spot to to be in okay keith to put you on the spot here so on the on the lakers nation podcast today i was talking about <laughs> summer league and i talked about specifically max christie and we were talking about whether or not uh, he's going to be shut down now that he's got this little hip issue or, or whatever and about how players get shut down in summer league. And I said, you know, from the fan perspective, when you're watching the game, of course, you always want to see your team win. But teams don't care so much about the final score. They're trying to find out, can a guy uh, can a guy help us in the regular season? Is this a guy we mm-hmm. want in the G League? They also want to see who can't cut it. You know, they're going to find those. That, that's more important to them than the final score. I said, case in point, look, like I remember when the Lakers won the summer league title, but, but I don't even remember who won the summer league championship last season or the season before that or the season before that, the same is not true of NBA championships. And I threw in as an aside, I said, I bet Keith remembers though, who won (laughs) the summer league championship. So, uh, so do you happen to remember who won last year's summer league? All right. Someone's going to have to fact check. Yeah, I know who won last year was Portland. Okay. Uh, one last year and Trendon Watford was the MVP of the uh, uh, summer league championship the year before that it was the Kings because they beat the Celtics the year before that there wasn't a summer league because uh, that was the pandemic year then we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. So far, you're correct on everything. There's two Uh, before you get to the Lakers. The Grizzlies in Portland won the two before the Lakers. Good Lord. I think in that or I think going backwards in that order, Grizzlies, Portland. You're right. Yeah, that is unbelievable. (laughs) 
Yeah, I I need more hobbies. I that think. is that is unreal. Like I I Portland was going to be my guess for who won last season, but I very much did not remember with certainty or anything like that. That that is insane that you actually <laughs> got like multiple years. Because I, 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 again, I would have landed on Portland, but it would have, that was my guess, kind of my gut. There's no way in hell I would have got Sacramento in 2021 or anything. And then to get the Grizzlies pre COVID, like COVID, which is the, the just mind wiped everything, right? Pre COVID, yep. <laughs> it was like the blip. Pre COVID, you get the Grizzlies. Man, that is unbelievable. Somebody asked unbelievable. if I remember the MVPs. I did, I don't remember. So they did. They changed it a couple years ago. They they changed. There's now like a tournament MVP or the final MVP. Right. And then there's like an overall MVP. I know with MVPs, Keegan Murray won one. Uh, David Mitchell split one with somebody uh, one year. I don't remember. Brandon Clark won it the year the Grizzlies won it. And then I think the Lakers had two back-to-back, Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball. Yep, you're right. They did. They right. had but Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball back-to-back. MVP. I know Trenton Wofford, but I don't know the game MVPs. I would guess Davian Mitchell probably the year the Kings won it because he was pretty on fire and he shut down Peyton Pritchard in that final. Uh, it was not Davian Mitchell. Oh, it was Lewis okay. King. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he had a huge scoring game. But you are right that Davion Mitchell was co-MVP with Cam Thomas. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I could. I didn't the Nets in 2021. Yeah. Yep. See, so I don't remember them all, but I remember some of it dude it you was remember funny. you remember the summer league champs you're nailing most of the mvps that's still unreal i yeah i yeah I, somebody's now asking if i know all the g league champs i do not they, they cannot <laughs> tell you that i don't even know who won it this past year problem with the g league championship is it happens literally right before uh the um the the playoffs start so like i'm all i'm very dialed in on the end of the nba season at that point i will say too it was very funny i was um sitting with um, i want to say it was maybe matt peralta um Mm -hmm. and he said we or daniel maybe i can't remember but it was somebody and they had said you told them i bet you know scott agnes commented to me that you told him I don't know who some of these guys are, but I bet Keith could tell you. Something oh, yeah. About yeah. All those guys. Yeah. He was telling me about that. So, yes. Yeah. Kind of yeah I was, I was mentioning that I, we were, cause we were commenting that as we're watching this game, he's like, he's like, Oh, that was really a nice play, but I, I don't know who that guy is. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Most of these guys I went, I went, I don't either. Keith does. <laughs> yeah. I try to, to do it. And the good thing is there's a lot of ways, a lot of tools now to get, information on players and see them so it's 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 a little easier so if somebody's on a summer league roster this year i tried to to go i i do before the draft i build out my own little it's not a draft board but i'll put like all the guys that have potential to be drafted and i'll go to like 20 of the different draft like experts and i'll pull together all the names on there and generally the top 70 are the same but you mm-hmm. might get, you know, in the bottom 30 of their top 100s, you might get some different names mixed in there. So by the time the draft rolls around, I try to have at least a, kind of a Rolodex of, a you know, 150-ish players that have tried to learn something about at some point. So and then most of those guys end up on summer league teams. And, and a lot of these guys, that's one of the fun things about summer league is the guys who come back. 
It's like, oh, yeah. hey. And then you see the name and then I'll be like, where was that guy? And you look it up. One of the coolest tools that's out there that everybody can use is Real GM. You can put any player in the search bar and it'll pull up and then it'll give you their stats for where they've been playing and all that stuff and you know around the world. So yeah. And you can do these deep dives like uh, yep. like Keith does. Uh, all right, Jeremy said, what do you guys think of the narrative of Masai overvaluing his assets and teams being frustrated with him, hard bargain or being unrealistic? Well, that narrative, you know it's not coming from Toronto, right? This is other teams that are <laughs> sure. that are complaining about trying to to deal with him. But nonetheless, like there there's also a point where like everybody wants to win the trade, of course, but some teams will be, maybe unrealistic to a point where it can be damaging to them. Have we hit that point with the, with the Raptors now that they've let Fred Van Vliet walk away? Yeah. I, I don't know that it's um, damaging to, to them. Masai has always been a guy who's been, uh, he's had the rep of, he drives a hard bargain. Uh, he gets a little bit of that Danny Ainge in him where it's, he's got to win every trade, however you define winning a trade. Uh, so I think there is part of what happens with that is, he is, he's not going to give if he doesn't feel good about what's out there. So I think what happens with Masai Ujiri is you get him in a spot where he does ask a lot for his guys. But I also, based off conversations, I don't think they're ready to break this group up. So I think that's why he's asking for so much in return for guys like Siakam and OG Ananobi. And that's why they've, they've really, you know, asked these, you know, for astronomical packages in return and they, they just haven't gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, there's, it's kind of like with a minimum contract. Once you're that guy that takes a minimum contract, it's hard to break out of that cycle. Once you're that guy that takes a little bit less in a trade offer, teams are going to think they can get that all the time. So some, there is some benefit to saying, no, this is our asking price. This is what we need in order to make the move. And we're not doing it. You set that mm -hmm. precedent in your trade negotiations. And sometimes that can actually help you down the line, even if it can lead to some frustration in the moment. So Yep. And like you said, I don't know that the Raptors are ready to break all this up, even though we've literally been talking about them, what seems like forever, as the team that's the linchpin to everything, that everybody's waiting to see what they do. They've just resisted, you know, fully tearing and it down to this point. Still, right? Because Siakam's mm -hmm. still in the, the news today. I mean, yeah. we're, we're still getting reports of Toronto's looking to trade him. So, yeah, I mean, that's just a, just something that, that's going to be out there, I think, for a little while. Uh, what were teams saying about Wemby in Vegas? I didn't specifically talk to any teams about. Yeah, I did about about Wemby. What what did you get? Yeah, just as expected. You know, they thought he looked really good, and in one of the the kind of comments that came out was uh, from a rival team was this is probably how it's going to be. It's probably going to be some rough games and some absolutely incredible games. Mm -hmm. And they said we have to remember as talented as he is, as big as he is, as unique as he is as a player, he's still a 19-year-old kid. And 19-year-old kids are just not consistent in what they do in any really any phase of life. And I thought that was really kind of prescient to to bring it up that way is yeah. that you know that they're in a little bit of a you know spot here where San Antonio can be patient, right? They they they're going to keep rolling them out there and it'll be what's going to be interesting to watch with him. And I think really fun to track and develop is the mistakes he's making in October, November, December. 
are those eliminated by the time we get into January, February, March? Like, are those out of his game? Because if they are, that's really cool because then that means we can start to project probably a lot more rapid growth with this. I saw people saying, you know, he he could be an all-star day one, you know, in the league and all these things. He could be. I mean, every once in a while, a rookie's at that level right out of the gate. And, and I'm not, and I'm taking out of the mix that like some, you know, the entire population of France starts voting for him sure. or anything like that. Right. But like a real true all-star, I would never project that for any rookie. I just don't think it's realistic to, to happen uh, very often, but he could be, he's got so much talent. Like he's really going to be, you know, something, you know, in the league eventually. My favorite play he made was in the second game. He, I, I wish I could remember who it was, took a three-point shot. He blocked it. And the guy was like, literally looking like, wait, how? Like, cause yeah. he, he was like in drop coverage and blocked a, a pull-up three-pointer, which is just ridiculous. Like those are going to be the things you're going to see. And I, I said this, he's going to lead the league in plays where you are watching live and you rewind on the TV to be like, what just happened? Cause you're not going to understand it. Cause we just don't comprehend him yet. He does the cornet contest, but he can actually jump all the way up yes. and get the ball. <laughs> it's crazy. I know that that's, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, all right. Soy saucy said, um, which is, I am saucy in Spanish. Uh, I can't wait to see how good, how God Max Christie is going to be this season. I'm assuming they mean how good uh, Max Christie is going to be this season. Uh, JHS was great too. He looked composed and confident. Max Lewis was great too. Can't wait to see how the Lakers look, uh, are going to look. Let's get Christian Wood. You guys are awesome by the way. Well, thank you very much. And, and yeah, Max yeah, Christie has indeed that. looked like he's, he's shown a lot of growth from last season and, and basically everything you hoped you would have seen out of him in summer league so far this year. Uh, we've seen it. And that's why I'm on the mindset of his hip is even bugging him a little bit, or even if it's a hip issue, he's got nothing left to prove. He's done everything he needs to do. He's checked all the boxes. Move on. Hey, right, you want you want to do little prediction time here? Sure. So I'm gonna say to open the year, Max mm -hmm. Christie is not getting regular rotation minutes. Uh -huh. By Christmas, he's taking Cam Reddish's place in the rotation. Oh, okay. He'll play over Cam Reddish. That's that. That's my thought. It, it, there, there's he's not gonna start right. There's not sure. Bar complete disaster there's not you know a path to that but i i think you'll see cam reddish get the early minutes and i think max christie may take his spot in the rotation by the time by, by right around christmas new year's in that range okay that's uh that'll be interesting to see if that's the way it actually goes down i've got on my depth chart austin reeves is of course the starting two and then christie as the backup some have got reddish as a two though and Darvin Ham did have some pretty positive comments on, on Cam Reddish recently. So mm -hmm. we'll see. That's going to be certainly a training camp battle to watch. But uh, but Christy, to his credit, he's he's worked extremely. You can see it just physically in, in his body, like how much work he's put in. So it's funny, right? Your team wanted Cam Reddish forever. My A lot of Celtics fans were like, why don't we go get Cam Reddish? He doesn't play. And the reality is he doesn't play. He's been on three teams and has lost his role on three mm -hmm. teams. It's and, and I don't, I, I get accused of being a Cam Reddish hater. I don't hate Cam Reddish by any means. I, I honestly, there, there are very few players that I actively dislike in the NBA, and I'm not going to get into the list of the guys that they are right now. Most of them are actually gone from the league. Um, 
and there were real reasons for those uh, mm-hmm. things. But with Cam Reddish, it's just the reality is he just he he doesn't he, he keeps losing his job, and there's got to be a reason for that. It's not it's not that everybody on the Hawks, everybody on the Knicks, and everybody on the Trailblazers are morons. Like it can't be. And sometimes guys take until year five, six to really figure it out, figure out what their role is. I've thought for a while now, if Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish just played the Corey Brewer role where it's, I'm going to defend and I'm going to run the floor as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. He could be a really good player um, in the league. Cause he's that kind of athlete. He's that good, but he just hasn't, hasn't figured it out yet. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe that's not the role for him, but I, I, I just don't know. No, I actually don't hate Kyrie. Kyrie annoys me to, to, you know, end of the earth and it's he, he covering him was absolutely exhausting uh for mm-hmm. two seasons with the Celtics but I don't hate Kyrie he's actually he people are very surprised every time I say this he's one of my most favorite players to watch like, sure. he is just so fun the way he I, the way he can contort his body at his size to get the finishes he gets around the rim is unbelievable I, I love watching Kyrie when he gets going but yeah I'm just it's I mean yeah, there's a lot of other things I don't enjoy about Kyrie. That is for sure. But yeah, uh, the other comments here, I got to disagree a little bit on uh, Jalen Hood Shafino. You know, I was high on him going into the draft. I was a little disappointed. I, I thought his shot selection was a little, little rough. But I'm going to say this. We shot selection is one of the easiest things to criticize yep. at summer league. And often we don't know what the players have been tasked to do. I was talking to a coach this morning because I was following up on something. He was telling me, and I asked him about a different thing. And he said, actually, yeah, that guy, we asked him, we told him every game, we want you taking 10 off the dribble jump shots in mm. summer league, because that's, that's what we want. I actually built that. I'm sorry. That was yesterday morning. Um, I built that into the piece I wrote for, for spot track uh, because that's sometimes what they want to see is right. We want you shooting off the dribble shots and they look like bad shots, but that's what the player's been tasked to do. So I don't always beat up on guys for that. That said, without knowing, without the full context, I thought he looked a little, little rough. I thought his defense was okay. I thought he hung yeah. in there with that. And Maxwell Lewis basically what I expected him to, to be, you know, from what I've seen so far, I think, you know, I think the, the probably the, Best outside of Max Christie, summer league Lakers been Colin Castleton, yep. you know, game to game. I thought he's played really well, but yeah, all around, you know, good, good summer league for, for the Lakers so far. Yeah. And just to kind of close the book on the reddish thing, you know, I thought Ron Gutterman had a, a very um, appropriate comment on, on just kind of the NBA in general. When he said, when he said in, in general, Teams will do dumb things, individual teams, but it's very rare for the entire league to do something dumb in terms of if a guy is bouncing around team to team to team to team and he's not sticking anywhere, that's not it. Once you've been to multiple teams, multiple teams aren't going to do something dumb. One team uh-huh. may make a mistake and get rid of a guy that they shouldn't or have faith in a guy that they shouldn't or whatever and, and misevaluate a situation or whatever. But the league as a whole tends to actually be pretty smart in terms of how they, they play things. Uh, that's a great point. And that's guarantee that's something Ron got out of a sports business classroom at some sure. point, you know, a lesson he probably learned there, but that's absolutely true. They're there. Yeah. The league doesn't generally miss over and over and over again yeah. uh, with, with that. All right. Uh, last one we're going to do today and we'll, we'll call it a day. Ben, 
said, is there a transition to big men being a focal point for teams? Again, they seem to be more important than in the past few years. You know, we did seem to go through an era where the the bigs, I mean, they were considered to be dinosaurs, right? And that doesn't mean they played in Toronto, but there were literally <laughs> articles being written about the, the big man is going the way of the dinosaur. The back to the basket big man that doesn't shoot threes, that has faded away. But now yeah. we're seeing a new generation coming up of bigs who from day one have been learning that you can't be a back, you know, you can't be Julio Okafor where your entire game is based around post play. You can't be that anymore. You have to be able to do other things. And so now that some time has passed since the back to the basket, big man became uh, less in vogue. Now you've got stuff than just that. And the back to the basket game has, has kind of faded away a bit. So I think that's part of it too, is time has passed and players of that size have adjusted accordingly. And so therefore it's, it's making a comeback here in the NBA. Yeah. And I think if you said big men being focal points, obviously the ones that jump immediately to mind are Jokic and Embiid. Uh, so I think, you know, those, those, those are two guys. I think we lost Trevor for a second uh, here, hopefully only a second. Um, so those would be be the guys that I I look at here uh, a little bit. So that's you know one part of it, and then I think um, you know as we we go on with that, I think you know we end up in a spot where it turns into you know the big men are more role playing big men where 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 they put put those guys in a role and ask them to play a role. Now we'll see what guys like Wambanyama. Chad Holmgren, what they develop into and become uh, over the next next several years. That uh, that's going to be something uh, something different to monitor and go go with uh, on that. But but we'll see. Uh, you know, with, with that, how how it all comes. So, uh, somebody said, and guys, I apologize. I can't pull from from the chat, so I can't pull them up like uh, Trevor does. But uh, uh, AZN Pikachu says. Can I recommend putting the front office podcast image image to the bottom middle? Yeah, we're gonna work on that. That was a new thing that that uh, Trevor put together right before the show uh, started here. Uh, are you guys gonna catch Oppenheimer? I know I am gonna try try to see that um, with, with that. So um, yeah, so we'll definitely have that. Uh, getting a message from 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 my buddy Trevor is uh, his internet uh, quit working, so that's where he's at. So. That said, we're going to end the show there, and we will uh, you'll call it a day on this one. We appreciate all you guys for uh, uh, stepping in and, and stopping and hanging out with us here. Uh, we we will. Oh, here he is. He's back. But we had a we had a rolling through here, and somehow my my internet just see. That's what I, I said. I just like told him. I said, out. He just texted me and said his internet cut out. I was yeah. just getting ready to do do the sign off uh, on this. But yeah, Dave. Uh, Robert Rios wants to know, are you going to catch Oppenheimer? Um, I will catch it when it comes, comes out, out. At, at home, when it when yeah. it's like on a streaming platform. I'm not going to go to the theaters to see it. Everything that I go see in the theaters now, I pretty much, unless I want to get a babysitter, I, I like I have it has to be something <laughs> to bring my my daughter yeah. to. And so I don't I don't think I'm going to bring uh, my daughter to go see the movie uh, that's on the atomic bomb. It's just, she's not at six. She's not ready for. Uh, yeah for I nuclear so. annihilation all this kind of stuff i i am become death the destroyer of worlds the the famous quote from oppenheimer and everything yeah i don't think she's ready for that one yeah probably not but yeah i i know the former history teacher and you would like to uh you'll probably watch that when it comes sure. out of course. that may be one too i may say for home because i'm gonna guess it's probably long 
I haven't seen probably. time on it, but it's probably a long movie too. And I, I don't do great with long movies in the theater anymore. Any list of best yeah. summer league players who are not under contract? I don't have one. Uh, Rohit Batra asked that, but that's a good, good mm-hmm. thought. Maybe, maybe I'll make that list now. So if I do, I will uh, shout you out if I remember. Uh, when I write that, I'll, I'll write your name down uh, here and go from, from there. So yeah. All right. All Bad right. idea for the Spurs to tank again. Sorry, just one last super chat came in. Uh, tank again to find a young dynamic guard for Wumby. No, I, I wouldn't. Just play it out now. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're bad, bad, but there's no reason to to go that that direction. Did you address this one already? I know we've talked a ton about it, but oh, did you get to that uh, one while I was out? I did not. No, I didn't okay. see it. This one just asking about Christian Wood. Would you? Who would you rather have on center? I'm assuming it's a Lakers question, but I, I don't hate the idea just from the offensive side i'm kind of partial to biombo if they can get him but uh but i don't like there's a lot with what are your last roster spots the guys it makes it that much more important that the guy is a fit in terms of personality and in terms of work ethic so i think that's something that uh, the further down the roster you get the more important those things are because they're not going to be mm-hmm. getting as many minutes on the floor I'm not saying christian wood wouldn't get minutes i'm intrigued i'm interested i wouldn't be against it but I think the Lakers have some reasons why they could hesitate on uh, on going that route. And, and we'll see what ultimately wins out, if they're able to get him, if the talent wins out, or if they kind of say, eh, you know, we're going to look elsewhere. It'll be in my other summer league notebook that comes out uh, today. I, I think it'll be in there. Uh, they're legitimately excited about Jackson Hayes. They, they, yeah. they're, they're really excited to work with him and see, uh, you know, what, what he can become uh, with that. So, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see, I mean, I could be wrong. You know, maybe Christian Wood decides the Lakers are the best place for him uh, with that. But I know they're they're excited about Jackson Hayes. And the reality is, center spot is something a lot of teams look at and say, "Yeah, we can fill it later if we yeah. if we really need to." You know, with with you know, getting a guy in there. So we'll 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 see how that goes. All right, appreciate you all for for coming in. We'll be back on Monday with the new show make sure you do subscribe to the youtube channel and of course follow us over on apple podcast spotify wherever it is you listen to podcasts till next time everybody see ya and stay safe i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.